everybody, and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered Franchising, powered by Scott Milas, FranchiseCoach.com. I am your host, Scotty Milas, and at All Things Considered Franchising, we are a podcast dedicated to the entrepreneur, people who are seeking to become business owners or business owners looking to diversify, providing a wealth of information and guidance and education. Scott Milas, FranchiseCoach.com is a consulting organization I started many, many years ago, uh, which helps people build the business model and introducing them to potential opportunities and helping them through the process, making sure that they're asking the right questions so they can eventually become a business owner and make a validated business decision, not an emotional one. The services and guidance and education that we provide at scottmilosfranchisecoach.com is absolutely at no cost to my clients. We work, like I said, with Beginning new entrepreneurs and people who are existing multi-unit, multi-brand operators looking to diversify. And today I have a very unique guest. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm real happy for him because I think he, you know, he, 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 he retired, although he's still dabbling in the industry. He probably, he's laughing because uh, when you're in the food industry, I don't think you could ever retire. I mean, there's, it's in your blood. I'd like to welcome, uh, Ron Taylor, who is a, a former multi-unit operator, owner uh, with an iconic brand, um, Fruit on a Stick, Edible Arrangements. Ron, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You know, um, I, I, I knew um, the brand, its previous ownership group, uh, when it was starting to develop. And, and, and there was something about this organization and the concept, Fruit on a Stick, that really, you know, People had to take a step back and kind of scratch their heads, but uh, it ended up and still is an iconic brand, uh, uh, both internationally and domestically. Um, tell us your story. I mean, you were with them. You had got up to nine units, 17 years. Uh, have a similar background to me. Started out in the food industry with uh, dad and the family. Yeah. So, you know, talk to us how this really kind of got, you know, why edible arrangements and 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 because it was a family adventure for you and wife Lori was involved, how this all got started and why edible arrangements? Well, I had, like you said, a lengthy background in the food service industry, right? Worked for family owned businesses. We own catering business restaurants. I worked as a manager for Cracker Barrel. Uh, I worked for a convenience store chain where I oversaw all of their branded food service concepts. So that exposed me my first time to franchising because I was running like Subway, Arby's, Taco Bell, Steak Escape. Right. Baskin Robbins, all the Godfather's pizzas, all these inside of these C stores. So I kind of got a feel for it. Took a hiatus to uh, work in the pharmaceutical industry. And um, my wife was a stay at home mom at that time. We got relocated to Northeast Ohio. And she came to me and said, I I'm ready to get back into the workforce, but I need a flexible schedule. What are we going to do? And I'm like, well, we're going to have to start our own business. So right. let's start thinking about what we're going to do. Uh, I'm working with a sales rep. And he pulls out an edible arrangements that he's going to take into this office that we're going in to visit because I'm his manager. And I mean, immediately I saw it. I picked up the brochure. Next thing you know, I'm on the I'm on the highway headed to Connecticut to uh, <laughs> Discovery Day. And uh, and we're off and running. Right. And our first location here in Youngstown, Ohio, um, really to the chagrin of a lot of friends and family. They're like, you're going to sell what? And you're going <laughs> to do what, right? They, you're going to open a business in Youngstown, Ohio. And uh, oddly enough, fast forward uh, the last four years in a row, the Youngstown, Ohio store has been the number one sales store in the system for the franchise for the last four years running. 
Wow, that is awesome. Well, congratulations on that. That's uh, that's no easy task. You know, um, with a family history, um, your family having a history in food restaurants, I'm not quite sure if it was a independent or a franchise. It was. But um, it, 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 was it a franchise that the no, family was my involved? My dad was independent franchise. Independent. My, my dad's old school, right? He's like, why am I going to give somebody 5% of my money? <laughs> right. right, right, right. Yeah, no, that's a common question. We get, you know, why can't I do this on my own? But th- th- there's a lot more to franchising. I can tell and that's you where what. I'm kind of leading the question on this is that, you know, edible arrangements at that point when you got into it was booming. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, you know, uh, from what I remember, there was yes. a waiting list to get in. It's like, if you don't sign today after the discovery process, you know, chances are that what you want isn't going to be around because yep. there's somebody right behind you, kind of that waiting list. But um, being part of a franchise and being part of an independent business, your family, mm-hmm. um, where do you see the strengths and the weaknesses being part of a franchise and in an independent. I mean, you learned, I mean, obviously you had some experiences that you brought right. to the table, but what benefits or strengths did franchising for you and your wife help you to become a multi-unit operator? Um, I think the key there is is self-awareness, right? Like really understanding yourself and I'm an operator. That's what I do, right? Like I, I operate and I believe that, um, you know, I see myself, I'm, I'm a kid of the 80s, right? So I'm very much cold trickle. Like, I didn't want to get beat by other cars. I only wanted to get beat by other drivers. So right. you know, franchising is like a stock car, right? Everybody gets the same playbook. Everybody gets the same products to sell. You just, can you do it better than the next guy? Can you drive that car better than we can or they can? So, you know, we, I understood, I knew how to create culture. I knew how to coach people. I knew how to execute a game plan. Like I knew that's what I was good at. So what I wasn't good at was sourcing material, figuring out training manuals, like marketing from scratch. Like those were things that I didn't feel I was good at. So I was like, why not just be a franchisee and let them give you this playbook and then go execute said playbook. And, you know, obviously 17 years later, it worked out very well for us. We were very comfortable, but I think it speaks to anybody that's looking at doing it. Like, how well do you know yourself? And if you know that you're an operator and that you need that help, then franchising is probably the the good fit for you. You know, that's a great point. We're talking to Ron Taylor, who is uh, recently um, uh, sold uh, uh, his uh, multi-unit stores with uh, edible arrangements. his, his history here, and uh, I'm your host, Scotty Miles, of all things considered franchising, but we're talking about people getting into and the advantages of looking at a franchise. Ron, you know, you, 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 you keyed in on a, a couple of major points. So speaking to the audience, for people who are contemplating getting into the business, getting into business first time. Now, food is, you obviously came from a background of food. I came from right. a background of food. Um, you know, I, I used to, I, I have an old saying that, you know, food isn't hard work. It's just long work. And you got to have a lot of patience, uh, thick skin. Um, but in general, in the franchising industry, if somebody's considering investing in a franchise, and if you were starting from scratch again and looking at a brand, what are some of the things that you're looking for in a franchise? What questions, I mean, you know, uh, you know, like people say, well, the item 19 this or the item seven that, 
Yeah. Um, I always try to steer people towards the validation. Talk to the franchisees within wow. the system. Well, uh, anything else you can share? What questions should be they asking? There's not a lot of data in, in a lot of people's FDDs, right? I mean, you're talking like less than 11% really share any significant data in item 19 as to how profitable you'll be. And, and I understand why that is, right? Because they don't know you. They don't, they don't know how hard you're going to work or what kind of effort you're going to put in or anything like that. So uh, I, think, I think the questions that you have to ask is what I'm looking for. If I'm looking at a new brand, I'm like, how do you innovate? Like, that's what I want to know at this juncture right now. Like, I can talk to the other franchisees and understand, like, what are the unit level economics? I can get that information. Um, from the franchisor, though, I want to know, like, how do you innovate? Where do you see yourself five years from now? How are you going to bridge that gap, right? Because the, the market is ever changing, right? And COVID changed it. Something else is going to come along that's going to change it again. So how effectively can a brand innovate and how how able are they to adapt and overcome in different situations that are going to allow them to move forward in the future? Because it's, it's adapt or die, right? Like I, th I think you see brands that are yep. not, you know, brands that are booming and killing it are brands that are innovating and innovating in a good way. That's interesting. So it, it's, it's taking a look at all the significant bullet points of the brand. It's, it's operations, it's marketing, um, you know, when I was on the franchise or side, we used to tell people that, look, you don't necessarily have to agree with us all the time, but we've got to be able to work things out and have a discussion. Uh, organizations, brands that have advisory councils, people that have, you know, yep. are in marketing committees, operation, uh, you know, Edible had that. And a lot of good brands have that. So it's asking the detailed questions. That's really what you're you know, what what you're pointing to for our listening office audience. Just really take a deep dive into the minutia a little bit and right. talk about the operational, making sure that you can delegate it and are comfortable with it and can be successful with it. Right. Yeah, the franchise has got to be able to give you more than just kind of your top line, rah, rah, you know, uh, hey, we've added this many stores. Hey, this is our total gross revenue per volume. This is what our top 25 stores do. Like that information is readily available, right? When I'm, when I'm asking questions now as a more seasoned franchisee and operator, I'm really wanting to know the brass tacks. Like wh where is this innovation going to come from? Are we spinning off different products? Are we staying really exclusively inside our product realm with a new marketing message to get that product out to more people? Like, are we looking to increase transactions or are we looking to increase the overall customer base? Uh, you know, which one is it? How do we plan on growing? Like, you know, is it with the existing customer base or is it with a new customer base? So those, those are things where you can kind of at least gear your questions more specifically so you can get more specific answers to help you in the decision-making process. You know, that, that's great advice. I mean, uh, you know, one of the other things that you mentioned um, is that you knew your skill sets going into this, that when you were, you know, that you weren't necessarily the guy with the sales aptitude. You weren't going to go out and you weren't the guy that was the networking, the marketing guru. Um, that wasn't you. You wanted to focus on the operational side making sure that the, the store was operating co uh, correctly to the, to the guidelines of edible arrangements and what they put together. When, 
when you look at skill sets and when people are looking at franchises and taking a look at this, because we take a real deep dive into this mm-hmm. at Scott skill sets, and we talk about sales aptitude. Not everybody is a networker, but everybody, there are people that are, have strong delegation skill sets like you do. How does one evaluate their own skill sets to get into a business? I know that's kind of a, a loaded question for you, but you know, how should somebody take that direction about themselves and put it into a business? Well, I mean, first of all, you got to be honest with yourself, right? You got to be real comfortable with what you're good at and real comfortable with what you're not good at, right? So, um, you know, one of our core values in our organization is be humble, right? So don't get me wrong. I'm a business owner. All of us have an edge. We're all a little bit arrogant. That comes with the territory, but I'm also super humble, right? Like there are a lot of things that I don't know about. I don't profess to know them. I hire people that know them or I find people right. that fill the gaps on the things that I don't know. The other thing that you do is find a brand or a concept that can align with maybe what your skills are, right? It's why Edible was a perfect fit for me because Edible was an operational, like your customer acquisition was built into your operations because 99% of your orders were going to people who weren't the purchase, the person that purchased the product. So, if you're an outstanding operator and you've got people financing your customer acquisition through purchases, if you execute flawlessly, right, then that person who receives the arrangement is potentially your next customer. You don't have to go solicit them. You don't have to go network to find them. Your customer base is financing your next guest, right? It's, it's, it's yep. why I love the brand so much. Cause I was like, wait a minute you're telling me I'm making money on transactions and I get to acquire my next customer through that transaction. This is a hundred percent. That's my a way great out, point. Right. Yep. Like yep. it aligned with what, you know, if you love being out and you love shaking hands and going to every chamber event and, and don't get me wrong, we do all that. Right. But there are, you know, there where, where it's like I'm buying it and I'm consuming it that then, then that's a different thing that you're going to have right. to undertake. Right. So, as long as you're honest with yourself and you know where your skills lie and, and comfortable filling the gaps, right? Like my wife is the, I'm, I'm a more strategic high level thinker and my wife is the minutia details woman. That's okay. why we're a perfect pair, right? Because I'm looking at it globally and she's looking at it right down at the microscopic level. There's not much that we missed. All right. We're talking to Ron Taylor, former multi-unit operator with edible arrangements. And uh, Ron, you know, one of the things that people, uh, the pushback uh, when someone's getting into a franchise or finds a franchise is, is that, uh, and you touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, one of the things that people say is, is that it's a saturated market. Mm-hmm. You know, there are too many burger places. There are too many pizza places, chicken, subs. Uh, you know, Edible has this niche in the market. There aren't too many, although there have, you know, there's some brands now or businesses that, you know, can offer something like what Edible has, but not to the extent. But one of the things that I always tell people is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is is that, look, there's a reason why there are a lot of burger, pizza, chicken, and sub places. Mm-hmm. It's because it pleases the masses. It right. pleases the population. You just have to be a better operator, which seems to be your philosophy on, on how you got to be number one, yeah. taking advantage of the tools and the best practices and the right. systems that they're handing you in this 
playbook, so to speak. What What are your thoughts on that when somebody says that? I don't want to get into this because there's just too many. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, why do you think there's Restaurant Row in Myrtle Beach, right? And there's all those restaurants within one, because that's where everybody goes to eat, right? Like, I, right. I don't subscribe to that at all. Like, you know, I've heard people say, oh, there's a new business coming. I'm going to lose my business. No, new business means there's just more customers. They're just proving the market for you, right? Like, so if there's several burger chains in your area and they're all thriving, all they've done is prove the market that there's demand for burger chains. If you want to start a burger chain, go find a product that you're in love with, a franchise, or if you've got your own, more than likely it's going to be a franchise, just out execute those people, right? Give them better service, you know, give better, be in the dining room, touch all your guests, do those types of things. Make sure people have a reason to come back. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't really agree with that at all. I, I'm, I, okay. I don't know if I necessarily want to, I don't worry about, you know, what everybody else is doing. I worry about what we're doing, right? Like I, I worry about what we're doing. And I mean, we, we had some, we had good friends of ours move into the Youngstown market and open a concept that many people thought would compete with edible arrangements. And it was like two and a half years ago. And we continued to be the number one store in the franchise system year over year. And they were very successful too. But one, they're not mutually exclusive just because one comes in one, you know, they're, they're not necessarily competitive. You can, if you operate and execute the right way and stay true to what your vision is and what your mission is and, and you service people the right way, they'll respond. Right. They'll come to you. Yeah. I think, I, I think people also have to understand that, a franchisor, a particular brand, is not going to go into a specific area to set you up to fail. No. They've done their market research. Right. Yes, they know that there are some competitors, but they feel that no. getting a good operator, they could they could take a bigger piece of the of the population, the the, the clientele that requires that service or product. I mean, is is that your your oh. feeling? For sure. I mean, closing stores for a franchise is almost a worse look for the brand than it is for the operator, right? Like, right. because, you know, everybody's comfortable with, you know, Joe Schmo in the neighborhood, like having a business that opens and then has to close. Unfortunately, that's, that's, that happens every single day. It's a much worse look for the franchise. They don't want to open in areas and you can see some of the best brands, they don't close stores because they're meticulous about who they pick as their operators, right? They're interviewing you maybe even more so than you're interviewing them to make sure that right. you're the right operator. And, uh, you know, for us personally, like, you know, that's a brand, I want that process to be uberly difficult with a franchisor. I don't want them to just say, yeah, we're going to sign you up because if they're just signing anybody up, like overall, it's not good for the long-term health of the brand. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's, uh, you know, people sometimes forget that franchises are awarded. They're not based on uh, uh, financial means that you can, you know, got your financing, can get financing or have the cash to pay for it. Um, Ron, you know, you spent 17 years in the industry. You've built a, uh, a credible business. Um, you, you obviously had an exit strategy going in as you were building it or, and started to develop one of the things that we talk about at scottmilosfranchisecoach.com is what is the exit strategy? Is there some, are you looking to build something that you eventually want to either pass on to family, sell, um, maybe hold on to the real estate and sell the business? But how, you know, just to close out here, how, how critical or how important should somebody focus in on exit strategy when they're looking at a brand? Unfortunately, a lot more than I did when I first started, right? Like 
I, if, if I were coaching somebody today, it's a very delicate balance, right? I don't want to steal their exuberance and enthusiasm of starting something new, but I definitely want them to begin with the end in mind, right? You really have to understand what it's going to look like in 10 years when it's time for that first renewal of that franchise agreement. And if you're going after that, what it's going to look like in 20 years in between those times, are you going to exit? What are you going to think about? You at least have to spend some time thinking about what that's going to look like. Like you said, is it going to possibly go to a family member? If so, is that son or daughter going to get involved in the business early so that they understand it from the ground up, which I think is critically important. I mean, I right. started I started working for my dad washing dishes. I didn't start running his business. I started <laughs> right. washing dishes. Right. Um, so and and I started edible the same way, right? I mean, like I started out making the baskets and dipping the chocolate and doing everything like that. So, uh, you know, if, if you want to bequeath it to somebody like that, like if they want the respect of the people that are going to stay with the organization, they need to kind of start at the ground up. But you definitely have to give it some thought. It doesn't need to permeate your planning process because, again, you're excited about starting this right. business. But, but you need to give a little bit of time to thinking about like, okay, what's this going to look like in 10, 15, and 20 years? That's interesting. Ron, one last question for you because this comes up all the time, and I think it's, it's something that um, couples, spouses, uh, even partnerships uh, working together, um, especially uh, in your case, uh, you were looking to create uh, a work-life balance uh, for raising a family, Lori. How important is it, do you think, to have your significant other spouse agreed or agreeable to the brand or the business model that you want to invest in? I always tell my clients, look, if one wants it and the other doesn't, walk away from it and find something that you both agree to. I mean, what can you share about working with a spouse I mean, obviously, your wife put a lot of time, effort, and energy into this as well, and you raised the family. So right. share a little thoughts on that. Well, the business is one of those family members, right? It's essentially adopting a child, in my opinion, right? Like, so you would never way adopt of it. a child without your spouse's 100% <laughs> buy-in on adopting a child, right? So it, it's going to take up a lot of your time. I mean, Edible Arrangements was very holiday-driven. You know, this will be the first Christmas Eve in... 17 years that I will not be at work until three or four o'clock in the afternoon, rushing home to get Christmas Eve dinner together and things of that nature. So, but it's not like I used to come home at that time. And my wife's like, where you been? Cause she was there too. She was getting home at the same time I was. Right. That's so we, interesting. I mean, we were a hundred, like my wife and I haven't gone out on a date on Valentine's day in 17 years. Right. Like there, wow. there, there's no way it's the busiest day of the year at edible, right? Like we don't, we don't go anywhere. So, uh, you know, we do 22% of our annual revenue in seven days. So you have to be in lockstep of what that is, or you're going to be miserable and your business will suffer because if you're not happy now, don't get me wrong. You're not going to be sunshine and rainbows every minute that you're in your business. That's not right. Business. Like there's going to be ups and downs, but you have to have that strong bond between your family. And, and, and to me, it's like the whole family kind of has to really understand what the undertaking is there so that everybody can be reasonable and understand like the business is part of the family and it has to get the same attention that the rest of the family gets to a certain degree, to a certain right. degree. And, and if you can do that, then everybody will understand. And I've been very blessed in that respect that my wife and I 
are in lockstep on that kind of thing. And so are our kids. Interesting. And, and they, they understand it really well and they help. You know what I mean? Are they there all the time? No, but they help. And it's, it's a family business, even though it's a franchise, it's a family affair. Right, right. You know, a um, lot of experience, uh, a lot of uh, bumps in the road, I can imagine. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it wasn't all roses, I imagine. Uh, uh, anything good has its bumps. I mean, uh, let's face it, I've been down that road too. But, um, you know, a lot of times at scottmilesfranchisecoach.com, we get people uh, who are exiting businesses and thinking about getting into another business. Um, what's next for you? I mean, you know, I know uh, there's a part of you now that's offering some consulting services to small business owners uh, in the food industry who potentially need some operational support or maybe thinking about franchising their business. But, you know, do you think the itch, you know, is going to get, you know, uh, is going to spread a little bit? I mean, do you see yourself getting back into a business again? I do. I do. Uh, you know, we're, my wife and I are already working on a charcuterie concept. Uh, you know, we think that's kind of underserviced in the franchise field. Uh, we feel like we understand gifting. We feel like we understand food. We feel like we understand service. So, uh, you know, we're putting the blueprint together for that concept. Uh, I've been doing some, I, I, I'm, I'd like to do some speaking. I'm, I've, I've done some speaking at my alma mater. I'm, I'm a graduate of West Virginia University. So I've had the the fortunate uh, opportunity to speak to some of their entrepreneurial classes a couple times. So, uh, you know, I enjoy that opportunity to teach and coach younger people. Uh, the Youngstown Business Incubator, I've done some work with them and they, they've got some, you know, up and coming people who want to start a business here and try to hopefully help them. Um, it, the perfect scenario for me would be to continue to work and help, right? Not, not okay. just work in an industry where it's only revenue generated, but where it, it has the possibility of generating revenue, but it also has the opportunity of, of helping others. So if I can combine earning and helping, um, then, then that's pretty much going to be a, you know, a dream come true for me as I move into the, the latter half of my career. That's great. Well, Ron, we've enjoyed the time. Um, we've been speaking to Ron Taylor, who is a, uh, recently, uh, exited and, uh, spent 17 years with, uh, uh, Edible Arrangements is a multi-unit, multi-unit uh, multi operator. Uh, I'm your host, Scotty Milos, All Things Considered Franchising, powered by scottmilosfranchisecoach.com. Uh, you can check me out at allthingsconsideredfranchising.com or scottmilosfranchisecoach.com uh, as well. If you want to connect with Ron, best place is LinkedIn, Ron Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, out of Ohio. I'm sure if you message him, he, you had any specific questions, he can probably share some guidance and insight. Uh, Ron, thank you again for your time. I, I, I know you're a busy guy and trying to kind of kick back and getting ready for the holidays, as you mentioned, for the first time in 17 years. So uh, we've enjoyed the time and uh, we look forward to, you know, potentially having you back in the next six months and hear what you're up to. Thanks, Scotty. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And uh, this is Scotty Milas. Thanks for joining me on AllThingsConsideredFranchising.com. And until next time.